I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm So we'll start with the draw today, Michael, because it's probably the most, uh, the newest news that we have. It's almost like they fixed this draw, to be honest. Yeah. With you. Claire versus Wexford, Wexford Davy versus uh, Brian Lohan. Uh, no love lost there. We have Tipperary versus Cork. To be honest, if I was to handpick them, that's exactly the way I would handpick them from a, a spectator's point of view. There's no doubt. Oh, sure. uh, GA headquarters be licking their lips, really. Uh, <laughs> a serious draw, you know. And uh, I've already online this morning. Everyone just can't wait for next week already. In particular, the, the Wexford Clare game, like the Tip Cork game, be, be be very good. But with Lowen and Dave, you added into the mix, and will there be a handshake? And <laughs> loads of interesting factors there. Like I. I think Claire and Tip will both be delighted, or Claire and Wexford will both be delighted with that draw. Yeah, no, I think they will. They definitely will. It seems to be hotting up a little bit the the championship, and it's knockout now from now on, right? So there's no second chances for for anyone, as you well know, because Maddie Kenny was talking the year out, Dublin are yeah. gone, yeah. which is you know like I mean a leash are out as well. He said he kind of made an excuse after the game. I was reading. He said we were the only team out this weekend who's played three weeks in a row. That's not an excuse but it was probably a contributory factor. Do you think he has a point there that Dublin playing three weeks in a row is a disadvantage? Uh, look, look. I suppose it is slightly tough, but will you know how it works? If they had a one, it's because they played three games. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you spin that whatever way the, the result goes. Um, I think, I think personally, I think it stands to you as a team playing, because you're not training hard during the week. And they've got through uh, injury-free Dublin, so they weren't carrying much knocks. They weren't... They were just light, doing very light stuff in between the matches. So I think it should stand here, really. Um, yeah. Especially with the big break during the year. Like, lads shouldn't be leggy whatsoever. So I don't think it's too much to ask, to be honest with you, three weeks in a row. But. No. And, like, I mean, he, well, he's saying three games in two weeks. And I suppose, yeah, it's just three weekends in a row. You know, it sounds worse when you say three games in two weeks, I suppose. And the first one was a handy enough one against Leash. And then they had another game last week. I, to be honest with you, if they can't, like you say... If you're not if you're not doing much during the week, only doing a bit of hurling, Jesus, most players absolutely love that. Like, I mean, it shouldn't really be used as an excuse. Absolutely not, Willie. Sure, like if you're playing training matches even between yourselves, hard when when you have them four or five week gaps. Like, you're playing these matches every week anyway. I know it's not like seventy minutes of championship intensity, but you're still trying playing in house matches. And I, I know as a player, you love when you're playing matches every week because then training is not that tough, and you're going and you're poking around, you're loosening up and 
and it's 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 enjoyable. It's an enjoyable place to be around. So yeah, and, like, and another thing, it's 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 not like there's a big long injury list that he had a, a reason for saying this. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's sort of it's saying the excuse and then saying you're not used. That's the excuse. <laughs> like, it's a uh, like, you know look. It is a factor. I don't think other teams had that factor. But for me, with no injuries or anything, they're the big issues, and they had no injuries carrying so or no knocks. So they, they, Dublin had no excuses. Just really really poor. Yeah. So where is Maddie Kenny stand? He's two years into a three-year contract. For me, looking from the outside, Dublin look like they're going backwards. Whereas, like I mean, last year you could say they had a very good half-back line with Barrett, uh, Moran, and Crummy. You know, you, the year before something similar under Pat Gilroy. They played a long ball game. They seem to have a system. It's hard to it's hard to really analyze what they're about now. To be honest, he's dismantled that good half-back line for a wishy-washy one. And they don't seem to have any kind of foothold in. They didn't seem to have any foothold in that game. Yeah, it's about development under new manager. And you're right. For me, they have gone, we have gone slightly backwards because I was excited when Maddie was appointed because I played against his Kula team loads of times, and they were so hard to play against. And the of all the clubs in Dublin, they had the best game plan, and it was clear to everyone to see. It was just so hard to stop. And I was really interested to see how he'd implement that for Inter County, but. Just doesn't seem to be a game plan whatsoever. Like as you said, one to seven with Dublin when he took over wasn't the problem. Dublin were quite defensively sound, and it's only for me it was from eight to fifteen where you really had to fix that and come up with yeah. solutions. And as you say, like he moved Crummy into the half forward line. He's, look, he's got a few scores. He's hurled well, but he's nowhere near as effective there as he is half back. Sean Moran pushed up to midfield and hasn't worked whatsoever. Like. Sean Moran's an excellent hurler, and I don't know if it's a lack of confidence, but he's been awful. His form has been awful in the championship, and I've never seen him hurl this poorly. And even yeah. his decision-making when he came on, normally he's the best man on the pitch with the ball. And he gave two balls away and just looked very unsure of himself. And as you said, that, that half-back line is a platform for any team that wants to win a championship. It's the, mo- it's the most important line on the pitch. And Dublin's half-back line was crucified against Cork, so... Now that's a, that's a new problem to fix next next year. Like so, instead of yeah yeah yeah, so instead of having less problems, now that's another problem he's going to have to fix. And I don't know, Chris Crummy, his nickname should be duct tape because he wants to fix every crack with Chris Crummy. Like so, you have a problem in the half forward line, you put him there. You have a problem for forward line, you pushed him up there. And now you have a problem in the half back line. I can see him coming back to the half back line next year because you ha- that has to be your pa- platform for pushing on. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a good point on Crummy. Like, I mean, he's he goes up to the half-forward line and you fair enough, he'll do a job there. Then when you, you're pretty much out of the ideas, now he's the solution in your full-forward yeah. line. Like, I mean, Christ. I know. And, like, like I've seen him play everywhere. I've seen him play full-back. Like, like, he is very effective, but his best position is half-back. And I don't think that change worked out. Look, I was excited to see how he'd get on. He played well there in Championship for Lucan, but... Now, you have to have that strength in your half-back line. And for me, Sean Moore and Chris have to go back there. But they have to have a game plan then, Willie, for puckouts and ball winners. And that's been Dublin's problem. And like they just seem to either go long, and if Danny Sutcliffe can catch it or, or Crummy, they didn't know what to do. They'd go short, and then the cornerback, they wouldn't play through the lines like Kula would. The cornerback was just going long. And he wasn't even beating the half-forward line. He was landing it on it. It wasn't even going straight into the forward line. So... I don't understand why he'd go short if that's going to be the case. The ball's going to land in the exact same spot as a puck out. 
Yeah, it's definitely a weird one. We'll talk about that match a little bit more mm. in part two. What did you make of the, the Shane Kingston rugby tackle by Paddy Smith, who, who let's be honest, is probably would have been a penalty in rugby because he didn't engage the arms around yeah. him. He just kind of threw his head. He kind of he rugby tackled him with, without the arms. Unfortunately, well, I've seen Danny Sutcliffe chasing him. I said, oh, Danny's going to do it again now. He's going to clip the ankles because he was in the exact same position as last week when the cynical foul happened. But no, Danny obviously thought about it and didn't foul him and then Look, it was a it was a great tackle because he had no option with Kingston coming at pace. He wasn't going to stop him, so it, it was a good tackle. But look, it was very cynical, and um, he gave a free out for it. I know, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe it. I was laughing, looking at the Cork lads' faces. But, um, he must have, well, he must have seen, he must have missed Kingston playing the ball because he clearly played it as he sidestepped. You know, to yeah, the side. I don't know if he thought like Kingston charged into Smith, but it was obvious for everyone around that he, that was a. Like a blatant rugby tackle. I've never seen a more blatant foul in my life. But um, look, Dublin got away with it. But very cynical tackle, and that's a few now, I suppose, over the last two or three weeks we've seen. From the well, I, well, that's it, and I'll get to that in a second because Don Logue was talking about the sin bin last night. But what I was wondering is because Kingston actually completely took the wrong option there. He had a man inside. It could have been O'Connor. And instead of giving it to him, he tried to do it all himself. And I don't know about you with referees in hurling, but down through the years, especially at underage level, if there was a referee playing, he might blow a free against you for something only because he did the wrong thing with the ball. He, he could actually have tried to coach you then on the field. Well, you should have given that in. I said, should it, it's irrelevant whether I should have given it in. I didn't overcarry. Yeah, exactly. I think in that scenario, when a forward takes that wrong decision, they have, they have, like, Sometimes they do overcarry the ball because they realise two or three steps in, oh, I've taken the wrong decision here and I'm going to have to carry it a bit further. I don't yeah. know if the ref taught that, but you're right, he definitely took the wrong decision. For me, either strike it when, when, the, when, the full, when Paddy Smith was coming towards him and use him as a block in the keeper's vision. You, you see that, you've seen that even with James Keyes for Leash, did the exact same thing yeah. with Cleary or, or hand pass it across. For me, the hand pass was the right decision all day, but. Look, he was obviously confident. I don't mind that in the forward to see confidence there and he was hurling well, but it was definitely the wrong decision. Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. That's an interesting one. I didn't really notice that because I, I was thinking about, you know, um, what's Key's going to do in that situation. And he perfectly, I think it was it was Conor Cleary he used as yeah, a... Yeah, to completely blind the goalkeeper. Is that something you would think about? I never really thought about it when I did. When, obviously, when he did it, I went, Jesus, the goalie never even saw that. But it, would that be a tactic forwards would use? Yeah, absolutely. Would it? Like, Obviously, I, I was a back most of my career, but I've seen the top forwards do it over and over again where it actually gives you that proper angle to the goals because that's your only outlet. That's your only shot. So if you if you just miss that defender with the shot, the goalie has no idea where the ball's going. He yeah. hit the defender for all he knows. And more more times or not, it goes into the corner, you know, drops into the corner or high or low. So it's definitely a, a positive tactic for a forward to use. Yeah, I know that you're all allergic to the black card and you've made that yeah. case. And I, I'm, I completely agree with that. But I suppose the difference with Don Logue last night, see, he, he's not using the black card. He's using the sin bin. And I suppose sin bin is not, you're losing, you know, you're only losing your player for 10 minutes. Now, I know you make the point that the game could be with over within that 10 minutes. Are you allergic to the black card or are you allergic to the sin bin? <laughs> black card. No, I, I don't agree with Don Logue. Very rare, very rare occasions I agree with him, but it's a good point. It is a good point because you don't want to lose a top defender or any top player in championship because you, you don't get to watch them and spectators lose out and supporters, everyone loses out. Um, it's a good shout because you're, you're gone for five, ten minutes. 
a team could do a lot of damage and it might deter people from doing from some of these cynical challenges, you know. And um, for once, I thought he, he he had a very good point, and it's definitely something the GA should look at because we are seeing cynical fouls happen more and more now in, in the hurling. It might yeah. be one or two, but they're big, big decisions at the time. Yeah, they're start, it's definitely creeping into it because we seem to be talking about this every single week. Like, I mean, and it's only it's human nature. Um, I suppose to cynically foul when so much is riding on it, you know. Like I mean, the, a lovely moment in the game was a Decky Dalton hut hook on Sutcliffe. He chased yeah. the whole way back, and they were calling him Big Decky Dalton in the commentary. He's not that big to have the name Big Decky Dalton. No. I think he's just big for. Not that you were so used to seeing corks the slope. <laughs> they're, they're all nimble and fat and fast and. Like he, yeah. he's a big man but he's definitely to get the nickname big <laughs> <laughs> you need to be bigger than Decky yeah I didn't know where they, that was coming from but I, I was roaring at the telly with Danny that time because like Danny Danny's done that once or twice he stands up he, he wasn't aware that he was behind him and that's it's such a big lift for Cork and that was a huge turning point in the game because like that would have been a huge score for Dublin a good distance out and Danny get his back up and might have got Dublin's backs up a small bit and the complete opposite happened you know and um, again, Kingston would have been delighted because we didn't see that from the Cork forwards last week, and it, it was a statement of work rate from them. And maybe that's why he was put in there because he might be working his socks off in training. Yeah, no, I think that was that probably was maybe to set yeah. the tone, and things like that do set the tone and kind of rub off rub off on the team. Big talking point from the Clare Leash game, which will have an impact obviously unless he gets off for the for next week's game uh, against Wexford is McInerney was sent off. Um, and to be honest with you, off the, off the footage, I was watching this um, online and I couldn't make anything out. And they, at least they had a replay of it last night and there looked to be absolutely nothing in this. Like, what do you do? Push him with the hurl a little bit in the back. Nothing. And then they started jostling. And then I was thinking, oh, well, they didn't catch everything. You know, the camera must have yeah. panned away and McInerney must have laced him. Now, Kavanaugh never went down. You know, there was no hint of an injury. And Brian Lowen said afterwards, um, he was talking to McInerney and he says he was jostling as some fellas jostle. And it was the linesman on the far side, James Owens, um, that made that call. So it looks to me from hearing what Brian Lowen said, the fact uh, Mark Kavanaugh wasn't down injured in any way or appealing for a red card, that they literally gave him a red card for kind of, what was it? An, an innocuous little push. Yeah, you can't, like you can't even say striking because no, he <laughs> like, get off that. No, yeah, it was a push. Like I was, wor- I was wondering why David McNerney was so irate anyway because like there was nothing in that tackle in the first place, and I thought Kavanaugh might have given him a little kick on the ground. So I was watching it back in slow motion, and, and there was no striking action from either of them at all. So I don't know why McNerney was irate in the first place because there was nothing dirty in the challenge in the first place. But um. Look, I, I thought the same worry that something happened off the, off the screen that we've seen. But as you said, no one was on the ground. And, um, I've seen Eddie Brennan was actually giving out about there should have been a second red later on in the game against Aaron Shanahan for a little strike. And he was saying that because of the fourth red, refs are normally more lenient and, and let him away with it in the second half. But um, yeah, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get away. I hope he gets, gets off it for next week's game because it'll make it all the better. Yeah, we'll definitely, uh, yeah, I, I hope you will. We might talk a little bit in part two about where they should maybe play him because Clare definitely don't look, um, you know, they don't look too formidable um, at the moment. We'll leave it there for a second, Michael, because I was speaking to Eddie Brennan um, earlier today and I started off by asking him about that sending off. 
Yeah, I think we all need this, uh, Willie, to be very honest, and I'm, and I'm not doing the, the Arsene Wenger on you, on you <laughs> here now by saying I didn't see it. I just, out of the corner of my eye, I did see the two of them tangling exactly as what happened yeah. and what was shown last night, and I obviously followed the ball then. But I understand that there was input from the linesman about something that happened after Right. Because the camera obviously moved away from it. It just caught it out of the corner of its lens as it was moving away. And I understand that the linesman that was on that side, which I think was James Owens in well, the first yeah. half, submitted something. So I don't know what that is. Um, and again, I suppose for us all, we'll only know possibly from the ref's report uh, what exactly was supposed to have gone on. So it definitely wasn't because of what happened last night because I think both of them just had a bit of a tangle with each other. Yeah. And I think we all accept there's a level of that that just, you know, uh, I suppose two, uh, two young bulls putting heads on the pitch and all that. Yeah, they were getting to know each other. But I suppose Mark wasn't down injured or anything. So that's why I was wondering, like, you, you would have thought Mark would have been down injured had he been struck or something. Yeah, I don't know. And that's the thing, like, I think, um, Jesus, you know, I, I just think Mark went into a tackle and, he, you know, I think he let a bit of a shout and the ref wasn't having it and play went on and then two boys start just handbagging each other so yeah. I think that was about the height of what I see and we could just look I genuinely we've seen it out of Conor Roy and look for me geez, I have to say Dave McInerney is not a, a dirty hurler or anything like that uh, he's the captain as well so you'd imagine that it'd have to be a fair bad rush of blood to the head for you know someone of his experience and captain as well for Claire that you know he would do something so but again look I suppose I, we'd love to have been there we'd love to have seen the benefit of of camera angles to see these things but we didn't so as I said we have to take the officials at their word on that Right, right Okay, I saw you saying after the game we're gutted it's a killer because Clare didn't win that match we gave it to them Yeah, yeah there's no doubt about it like I looked at it there and even at half time you, you get certain I, I'm not big on uh, sitting down with an iPad at half time because there's too much going on to actually digest what the numbers are but just you know we do take a, 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 I suppose pertinent information what is really important and the information we got was that we had turned Claire over about 42 maybe more times in that first half which is a lot in a yeah. half of Hurland and then the the problem was that was that we were almost handing straight back to them and I think a lot of our scores that we coughed up to Claire was, was unforced errors on our own behalf so that was what really caught me. Um, I think in a match where you get beaten by a couple of points, I think you, you kind of say, ah, look, the better team won. And Clare were good. There's no doubt about it. Look, we were, we, but we went toe to toe, but we missed a couple of frees in both halves. Um, I think probably the biggest moment was the Paddy Purcell goal that wasn't yeah. counted. You know, uh, I suppose, again, the advantage rule was brought in for a certain reason uh, and it wasn't a crew. And I think both us and Clare lost an advantage in that circumstance where play went on and we were continuing to gain an advantage by going deeper into the opposition half. And then, you know, you maybe fired a shot and you lost it. And that's okay. I think to some degree, you know, the advantage is that you're, you're going deeper into opposition territory, albeit it's not to the level that rugby is. But at the same time, I just thought when Paddy Purcell, you know, didn't stay lying down on the ground or wasn't injured and he jumps up, in a split second and finish the ball to the net uh, I just thought surely to God okay you're going, we're, what are we going to do here we're going to give a free but he's after finishing it and he had an advantage so let's give him the advantage and 
And I think there's a there's a bigger issue there and saying, you know, the the whole issue of the rugby tackle now is becoming really, really uh, a blight in Hurland. Whether we like it or not, it is there. It is very, very evident, none more so evident than the Cork and Dublin match. But if that's the case, are we going to are we going to, you know, reward attack and play? Because as I said, we got a free from a twenty one when the ball was in the back of the net. Yeah, that was the most heartbreaking thing. It wasn't even a penalty. It was the worst possible outcome for, you know, from Leach yeah. in that, that circumstance. It was. I take your point, Eddie, about, like, one thing that I was watching it here on GA Go, and, like, I mean, geez, I was pulling my hair out watching the amount of times Leash gave the ball away and the, giving it to a man that's under pressure or else a hand pass going astray and just that running game breaking down too many times. Yeah, look, it is. And, and I suppose that's where we're at in in terms of, uh, evolving and improving and I mean I said to look my, my, my philosophy is and that of Niall and Tommy's is that we do it you know if we're going to fail we fail by doing you know we as opposed to fail by not doing or not trying to apply ourselves that you know if we're going to come up short we have to go play hurling we have to try uh, play to our strength and play to what we're doing well and look I put it down to two there's a, there's a young crop of players there like some of them were quite nervous and I think they were trying to do the right thing and what was happening was, you know, you have a clear team that have a decent bit of experience and they were adjusting to that. They were applying the pressure to us. I think what happened a few times was that, you know, we were going into contact and what we weren't doing was running straight lines where you make a guy decide he's going to either stop you or let you on. Um, and you see it particularly in football now where a guy commits to a tackle and then he jumps out of the way because he knows that the fella is running such a direct line I'm going to end up fouling him here and I might get a black card yeah. and what happened was we start going laterally when you know we're trying to obviously avoid contact at times you try go you know and what happened was once we start going laterally then the pressure came on and, and they pressed us and look we while we were trying to do the right thing we just made a couple of bad decisions and that sometimes comes from being put under pressure I certainly wouldn't be critical of the lads it's just an area of our game that we need to really polish up on and that if you have to have that right um, but like I said I was more I wouldn't be critical of the lads at all for that it was just frustrating and I'd say there's no one more frustrated than the players themselves uh, and especially when you come up short by a point yeah, I don't know to use any bit of rugby analogy to that, but you're never told to run crossways in rugby because you get flattened. You have to run, <laughs> run a straight line oh, all the time. I don't yeah, know. That, that, <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it. I, I, for me, look, I would always say to lads, even you know, particularly forwards, I said, your first job is to gain possession and just turn and face the defender and make him decide. Yeah. You you make you make him make a decision. Either he lets you on. Or if he's a really good defender, he's going to, you know, give you a bit of space and try, you know, the, the quality defenders are able to keep you at hurling length away, you know, force you to use your steps, force you to use your catch, and then force you to show the ball to let them dispossess you. But by and large, if you have a defender who is stuck to you, and you win primary possession, then it says, you know, you don't let him shield you out the field, turn and make him a decision. So, uh, like I said, if you if you run a, a cross line like that, you're just teeing yourself up for the mother and father of the belt. And you know, sometimes I think the player that's done that they hit us they hit us hard and fairly. You know, at times in that match. What What was the idea behind dropping Paddy Purcell and Picky? I heard Picky's carrying a bit of a knee injury. No, look, I suppose Wooly, uh, this is something that you know lads. I suppose looked at and we just picked the team that we felt was the right team to start on the day to get us into the match and I also kind of look at your strategy and say look uh, what team do we need on the pitch to finish the match and 
we had lads look carrying little knocks and bells, but um, it was just a decision we took. Um, we felt looked at, as I said, there was there was lads that offered us something something a little bit different, and uh, that was look. I suppose these are the decisions that are made, and look uh, in terms of that. Look, I, I don't want to get into discussing individual players and stuff like that, but we made that decision, and, and I wouldn't regret that decision. We you know we took it for what we felt was the best interest of the team. And uh, again, you know, getting lads in there that are going to, you know, get stuck in from the work go and then obviously have some level of strategy in, in the impact afterwards because what we're finding is, you know, you're going to have five lads coming into that match and, and you need to get something out of them. But equally, you're going to have a couple of guys in that match that are going to be just by virtue of where they play and that they're going to be out on their feet. And, uh, you know, we, we had Ross carrying an injury for a long time. Willie Dunphy wasn't, wasn't fully right either. So you're kind of... Uh, I suppose taking a calculated gamble in terms of guy that has a maybe an existing injury and then saying, well, if he goes, we have to have something to replace it. So there was a there was there was a decent bit of thinking. It, it they weren't easy decisions, but such is the 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 the, the joy of the job. Right. Okay. Because when I suppose you look at Paddy Purcell and what an important player he is to Leash, and then Jack Kelly came off at halftime, and you're missing John Lennon from last year. They're arguably Leash's three best players from last year. You know. Yeah, well, look, I suppose that that's it, and 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 these are the things. You know, we're, we're, I suppose we, we get to see lads. Um, you get to make a, a bigger, or maybe a, I suppose a, a more rational decision from looking at lads every night in training. And yeah, look, you need your best players on the pitch. You know, you know, could we could do do we need you know any of those guys, any of the lads in that panel who are playing to the top end of their form and flying it. You, you know, you need lads like that on the pitch. And look, there's always going to be disappointments, unfortunately. That's that's the nature of it. But um, yeah, look, just some days they go for you. I've 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 been I've been that soldier plenty of times where you go out there and things just don't happen for you, or you you know you end up coming off the bench. And it's just obviously uh, it's always always about the team and, and and what's best for the team. And uh, again, look, the individual the individual uh, thinking on that or the disappointments. Look, I know I know what, what that's like and. Unfortunately, you still have to come back to and say, well, what do I feel or what do the management team feel is the best way for the group? Yeah, the Jack Kelly, the Jack Kelly one was probably tactical, was it? Because you, you, you wanted to, I think, was he sweeping and you brought Picky on for him? Was that more, more going for it rather than playing with the sweeper? And then obviously Claire gave you the sweeper not long after. Yeah, well, we had, I suppose we, we had it from the first half was that we had that advantage from going in at halftime. We had we knew we had an extra man. So I suppose that straight away meant that we could now commit to having six forwards up the field. We had, yeah. we have six, we, we could effectively, we could go six two six for the second half. Whereas we had just, I mean, it, it, it deployed of ours because we feel it's the best way to avoid teams opening us up was to have that extra man back there and, and, and you play it your, your game plan after that. Um, and I think we did. We just we, we were getting good ball in over Clare's extra man. Only just it just unfortunately Clare were were able to recover that and take it off as you know ultimately on on the break. But that was the that was the way it was with with Jack. Jack had been the loose man, and we just felt right. We have six backs there. We're going to have an extra man now by default because of the numbers. So let's go six to six. Let's go after it. And look, that was, you know, you you talk about making strategies beforehand and, and, and plans and what you do in these scenarios. I suppose I'll be honest, that wasn't a scenario we had kind of planned for. But when it presented itself, it was probably a straightforward solution to that. And that was just go orthodox and let's go after them. 
Yeah, right, exactly. That was, yeah, and it, it kind of fed into your comeback, I suppose. Um, uh, there was You've been asked about your future, Eddie. You're being cagey enough about it. Um, I don't think anyone in Leash is going to want you to go anywhere. What are you, what are you thinking? Like, I know you're going to pawn me off and say you're going to have a look at things. You talked a little bit about stakeholders and money and investment and a few yeah. bits and pieces like that. Yeah, look, I don't know. I'm being straight, Willie. And, and again, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a position I've, I've adopted in terms of discussing stuff like this. I'll be as upfront about it as possible. I took the job for two years with a view to sitting down at the end of the two years and, you know, the option of going for a third. So again, that is where it's at. That's where it's at right now. And we'll see. But yeah, I won't, you know, lie. I I did touch on a few things afterwards and say, look, um, you know, is the level of support there for the the hurling team as I see it? You know, is it there? It's it's not in terms of who you're being faced off against. You know, we're facing into a Leinster campaign. Uh, we were supposed to face into a Leinster campaign this year against Galway, uh, Wexford and Dublin and then Kilkenny. So you're talking for the, the, the top end teams when it comes to support and resources. You know, they are there. You look at the three teams that have won the last three All-Irelands. They're well resourced. Now, I suppose it's important to define that it is not about just getting a ball of money uh, and throwing it at something and saying, there you are, that solves it. It doesn't. But I think we have been operating, and I guess, look, I, I absolutely understand that you cannot just throw money around particularly, particularly in the current climate. But the reality is there is a cap on what we can use and what we have at our disposal. And that's not anyone's fault. I'm not, I'm not as I said, wasn't firing a shot at anyone. But I still am asking the question from a progressive point of view, um, you have, there has been a positive reaction. And it's not just because of me, it's because of the players, it's because of the, the management team that we have around there. But we have a very small backroom team. We have, you know, a small crew, you know, crew of resources available to us. And, you know, I know myself, there's, there's, not, there's not a hole above in, you know, the cat hole somewhere or up in the sleeve blooms with, with money in it for, for Leash Hurland or for Eddie Brennan. Definitely not. This is not what this is about. But it's just about saying what's realistically achievable here and, you know, do, you know, do the county board or do the people involved, the, the Leash executive, whoever that is, or the hurling fraternity, no more than the football, saying, can we go further with this? And if so, what do we need to do? And the, and the model I use is you look at how uh, Wexford's fortunes have changed and you can put that down to Davy Fitz, absolutely, and the structures he has put in place. But they have rode in behind them and they have done whatever it's taken. to. And, and, and I'd be honest, I think the championship now, it, it's, and it's an issue you've discussed it long, you know, for hours on, on your show, but there is an issue there with resources and it is very difficult for a small uh pick like you have in the leases of this world where you have a small group you're picking from and limited resources to get up there and compete with these guys and it won't happen today or tomorrow but definitely those questions as I see it need to be asked like I mean and, and would, that's where what, I was coming yeah, from that. What, what, what would for example you think Leash is the, what are the obvious thing or two in the backroom team that you you know would be hamstrung by? I suppose it's 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 a combination of things, really. I mean, there's other factors at play here, like you're saying. Look, could we do with you know another clatter of players committing to this, you know, or whatever, getting yeah. everybody to commit I to this? That you can that's, go in there. 
that's, that's a separate not, issue. That's, that's a separate issue. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's players committing. And, and, and you're, 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 would it, would like instead of having one masseuse, would three or four help? You know, two physios. Would you know what what other yeah, people well, kind it, of? It, it is. It's 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 little things like that. Like we as, as things stand, look, you you know, you have uh, we have two guys doing physio for us. They are absolutely excellent, but they're coming one night. You know, they're not there both nights, and and it's even just little things like that. Having you know a, a, a physio and maybe two others with them, be it interns or whatever, having an S&C that has maybe, you know, interns with them as well. And and again, look, I'm not, I'm not saying, look, you, you look at other, at other setups and you're saying to yourself, look, this is why, you know, you know, you said they're able to do that, that you've guys that are able to go in there and spend a couple of hours going through a group of six guys with their S&C session or whatever that is, you know, and yeah. um, it would even be, you say, look, even getting, you know, maybe a sports psychologist in or or whatever else it is. And, you know, you're saying, OK, it's, it's you know, I suppose if you look at the last three All-Ireland winners, Galway, Tip and Limerick, and you're kind of going, OK, they're, 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 they're well-backed, they're well-resourced. And that's and fair play to them. I'm, I'm not saying this from, 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 from that that shouldn't be allowed. They're fair play to them. But it's, it's, it's saying, look, that's maybe the way forward. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying, look, that if you if you give me so much, that'll solve the problem. It may not. But I suppose it's more the the progressive thinking or the forward thinking that you're saying, right, let's try build on this. Let's try get yeah. go forward here. And that's what it is. It's, I, I don't believe in, I want to be very clear, I'm not saying that you just throw money at something. But to be able to get in a couple of shrewd resources a couple of real good resources that would help the players go a little bit further whether to expand a video analysis team or whatever that is you yeah, know yeah. I see most video analysis teams now there's five and six of them on it you know we have one and one or two of our injured players helping them you know so that's that's the type of stuff that that, that you're saying and that's look like I said I'm, I'm saying it from the viewpoint Woolly of sitting down and having those progressive conversations that if 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 people are really really serious about you know bringing leash up to to Leinster standard then we're saying okay what are we willing to do here how far are we willing to push the boat and that's all and there's no guarantees with that and I'm not saying it just because as I said it, it's just coming out and saying it for the sake of it or anything like that but I, I just think I've been fortunate enough to see you know, and 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 again, a keen observer of setups at the moment, and you're saying how they do it, and and you're saying, look, if only we had some of that, we might be able to go another little bit. Yeah, no, I know. Look, you make a fair point, and I mean, I'm just more or less getting you to explain it so people listening will yeah. kind of have a, a more of an idea of what you know, what what you yeah. what you mean. It's not a great year to have it, Eddie. I'll just leave it on a, a downer no, because no, there no. isn't a, there isn't a dicky bird in leash or in the G to even be able no, to cover. No. It. And, and, and and look again, we're acutely aware of that too. Like I mean, you're saying, Jesus, the 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 season that's in it, it's it's just after being um, just I suppose car crash really. Because obviously, look, uh, you're aware of how the whole thing comes around, and like not being able to, you know, get your your gates at club matches and all that. Yeah. And, and but fortunately, look, I suppose there's been another one. You know, on, on top of that, you have people that have showed they're more than willing to pay for these. You know, and, and, and <laughs> it'd be pri- yeah, it'd be somebody private, yeah, that will come in and maybe try to help out. I suppose that maybe is somewhere. Yeah, I think county board county boards are probably lacking that sales kind of pitch to private investors potentially. Yeah, well, I think I think look on it, and it's it's something. Look, I, I I've I've said we've we've had discussions with the county board. I've mentioned it to them about look, do we get you know can we get a supporters club up and running here? Because you know you look at some of the other counties, they do have good supporters clubs, 
And it does. It takes a bit of vision. It takes a little bit of progressive thinking and ambition to say, right, lads, let's go do this. Let's 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 see what we can do. We, we can dip the toes. We can set it up. And if we can't get it, we can't get it, you know, but at least go and try get it and see what happens then. And if you can, and, you know, I think equally, this has to filter down through all the structures in, in Leash Hurl. And I think equally the under 17s and the 20s have to be, you know, invested into a point. I don't, I don't think that if for talk's sake in the morning, a leash or anyone like them in the world was able to go out and get someone to back them or get, you know, whatever it is, a, a supporters club up and running and they're able to generate funds. Them funds, it doesn't just be handed to me to, to spend as I, or, or, the, or the leash manager to spend at his disposal. It's more saying, look, we need to invest these in other structures. The, 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 the squads, the underage squads are probably, you know, equally important because if you were to say, you know, clubs, our own club, we submitted our five and ten year plan there, go back two or three years ago, this was a key thing for all clubs to submit their medium to long term plans. So equally you'd say, well, it's so important that we invest in our 14, 15 and 16 squads because in 10 years' time, they are our adult teams. And I think, look, you, you see in some counties, they've done that and they've done it quite successfully. Yeah, exactly. I'll leave you there, Ready? Just, uh, I suppose, it's not a great year to walk away. You didn't have the second year that you, you kind of deserved getting into Leinster and having the four big yeah. games, two of them at home. It would be a bit of a killer, I suppose, to walk away after a, you know, a couple of winter championship games. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's the, the the big pull and the big attraction of the position, and and even the players. Look, we're getting to know the players better, and you know I, I've I've a great time for them because you know you see how difficult it is for them to come in and face into you know top tier teams and say, guys, you know they haven't maybe the experiences. You know, I think if you if you're facing that at underage all the time and you're able to compete with lads like that. There's certainly a confidence that comes with that, or at least you can say, "Well, look, we've said these lads; we know what they're like." So it's 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 a venture into the unknown for them, and I'm just very happy with how they've applied themselves to that. But we were really looking forward to getting four matches in a Leinster campaign this year, um, and seeing where we were at because that was the big thing I think for us this year. You know, maybe it was it was going to be a, a step too far for us. I I I hate saying that. I hate ever entering into a campaign saying, look, we'll do this to tread water and then we'll move on. No, I just, you have to have ambition. You have to believe we're good enough. And I think when we adopted that mindset last Saturday, it served us very, very well. But uh, equally, this year was always going to be about us, you know, holding tough. We had the year, we were going to get another campaign next year. So it was going to be a great way to enter into a Leinster Championship, knowing that there wasn't a big wallop waiting for us at the end of it had been demoted. Right, yeah, exactly. I didn't think I didn't think of it like that. Eddie, come here. I've, I've kept you long enough. Thanks very much for taking the call. No bother, Willie. All the best. Wake up, rise and shine. Winter's gone and summer's fine. Wake up, wake up. Wake up, rise and shine. All right, Michael. So Cork won 25, Dublin 22 points. And to be honest with you, this was just a convincing win where the result never really looked in doubt, if we're being honest. Did it, Michael? No, it was a really poor game, Willie. Like for me, it's like, it's like a training match. Like There were six points scored in the first five minutes. And I was saying, if this, if this turns into a shootout, Dublin are going to lose because Cork's forwards are better. And I was so surprised at the, the space that was allowed for both sides in their forward line that the, for that first six minutes. And 
it, it just like it stunk of lacked it lacked intensity. I just thought Dublin got their game plan all wrong, just way too free with the with the um, Cork forwards and and they hurt you so much when you allow them that space. And Cork just utilised utilised their players' strengths much better than Dublin did. It was so so disappointing to watch. Yeah. Now here here's a point I made. So Dublin didn't start with a sweeper, and that's all right, but. Like, I mean, tactically, this wasn't the smartest thing to do. Oh, O'Donnell came out centre-back and he man-marked Horgan. So not only do you not have a centre-back that might normally hold his position and a sweeper, you don't have a sweeper and now you have a centre-back completely gone out of the middle marking Horgan. So it was like a double whammy uh, for Dublin and they were wide open. Yeah, like, no other county teams will take their full-back out of full-back. Like, you think about all the other strong counties. Maybe if their fella goes into the full-forward line, they'll say, right, you're in the full back line now. Our full back is strongest. Maybe under a high ball, but Dublin have this thing of moving players around to match other teams. But that's your spine of your team, and that's the problem with Dublin. Like their spine of the team isn't solid all the time, right. and it's such an important line. And like Owen O'Donnell is a is a smashing full back and protects that goal. And I don't understand for loving or money why you'd bring him out to to mark to mark um, Patrick Morgan. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Morgan. Um, like. He's not aerially dominant, Patrick Horgan. He moves across the line. He's fast. There's loads of other players that could do that job and leave on O'Donnell doing what he's good at in the full back line. And you just yeah. don't see it with other top counties. I just, I, I, I can't fathom why Maddie Kenny would take him out of such an important position when it's, yeah. it's not even in the same line, you know? Yeah, and the, but the criticism I'd have there is that usually centre-backs know when to let Horgan off and when they're to hold the middle. Oh, O'Donnell just followed him everywhere. So, like, I mean, you know, he wasn't even playing a traditional style of centre-back. He was doing a man-marking job from centre-back, which seemed like a really weird one. And then they changed it. And I think they brought Sutcliffe to midfield. You can correct me on that. And brought yeah. Malone back to wing-back, who got a terrible roasting off Seamus Harnady. And then they were able to free up um, Burke as the sweeper, which maybe they should have started with. They should have started with a Willie. And like it was, I think Cork went two points up and Dublin changed it. Like Malone started wing-back. Dara Gray started midfield. And then when, when, they, when they created a the sweeper, Danny went... Went, Danny went back midfield and Dara Gray then was covering. So, all right. Uh, look, Connor Burke has been, uh, is a great point for Dublin. That's one thing you bring into next year. I thought he hurled really well. I thought they were quite unfair in him in Dutton Sunday game last night. They showed two clips of him losing the ball, but he was trying to make things work coming out of defence and not just hitting the ball up 80 yards. He was trying to find men right. up and down the line. And I thought he hurled really, really well. But you sort of played into Cork's hands a little bit then because... That, that, that freed up their best that, their best defender in Mark Coleman and he absolutely cleaned up and he set up so many attacks from their back line, you know. And I just think Dublin, it, it, why not start with the half, with the spare man and have a system then for what they're going forward. When you're doing this in the middle of a game, it's very hard player, for players to adjust so quickly. And again, it just, it was a little bit of panic for me seeing that happen all of a sudden, 10 minutes into, 15 minutes into a game when you should have really foresee how good the Cork forwards are and they play, hurled really poorly against Waterford so there was going to be a bit of a sting there in the second game so again I just don't see why management didn't foresee this problem Yeah Maddie Kenny said after the game it was a, a bit of good analysis when he wasn't making an excuse he said obviously they have a lot of pace in their side when we pushed up on them I say he's talking about the start of the game when we pushed up on them they played in behind us a little bit and when we dropped back they played in front of us. So, like, I mean, I suppose he's just kind of pointing out that Cork can hurt you from, so, you know, in so many ways. Yeah, well, I was imp- I was impressed with Cork's cookouts because when we watched them against Waterford, it was, they had one option, they went to Harnady, and when that didn't work, 
they went short and just hit it up, hit it, hit it up to the half forward line. So they really lacked options, but they were very clever with their puckouts on a, against Dublin there on Saturday. The, the, the likes of Robbie Robbie O'Flynn, who was a serious pace, like I didn't know he was that pacey because Jake Malone was what marking him. Jake Malone's fast, and he left him for dead a few times. But Robbie O'Flynn went into centre forward, left both wings free, and then just before Nash would puck a ball, he'd sprint. Now I don't care who you are marking him; you're not. He's going to have two yards in you by the time he gets to the wing and gets to that ball. So they had a good game plan. They'd start to run in the centre pitch that allowed both wings. He could decide just before Nash poked the ball out and then he sprinted out to the wing and he, he had the three yards from Jake at that stage and, and it's game over then, you know. So that was a good game plan implemented by Cork. Yeah, it definitely was. Robbie O'Flynn scored five from play and Seamus Harrington scored five from play as well. So there's no kind of secret about where the threat was coming from. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't just landing the ball down on top. I was just impressed by their runs. Yeah, like Nash was really finding them. He's either bouncing it in front of them just over Dublin's midfield. And there wasn't enough cover. And I think in that scenario, because Dublin's half-back line was an experienced one, like if you're half-back then, you have to keep your position. It doesn't matter where your man goes. Like If I'm right-wing back, I'm saying I'm staying here because Cork have a habit of bringing all their forwards, their half-forward lines, into the middle of the pitch on their centre-back. And then they all run. They all run to the sides. But if you're marking the space rather than a man, yeah, that option is taken away from them there. And I think Dublin's inexperience in the half-back line showed because... They just they followed all their men into the pitch, and it just allowed too much space all the way across the pitch. I think that's where Maddie Kenny really let 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 the side down there, you know. Right, yeah, because that that make that makes absolute sense. If you're if somebody has a if a team has a good puck out strategy, two or three of their runs will be decoy runs for where one where it's actually supposed to go. So following all the decoy runs, you know, doesn't make all that much sense. Absolutely, and you have to be aware of this as you're if you're playing because I always knew I hadn't the pace. If it was going to be a race out 30 yards to get there, but I, I'd mark the space. And if I'm right half forward, if I'm right half back and I know the left half back is staying where he is, that's like there's no one that can run into us. There's no one that can run into that space. Yeah. You have to have the awareness and there has to be a leader in that half back line to say, right, lads, we're changing this up. You stay there, you stay there. And because they're so inexperienced in the half back line, that didn't happen. And if it was Sean Moran or Crummy or Barrett there, it would have. You know, yeah. that, that's that's the difference. Well, it's also yeah, and without blaming the players, though, Michael. Like, I mean, Maddie Kenny needs to do a bit of video work on that during the week. Like, I mean, if you take Cork's puck out strategy away from them, you really take a huge, you know, string to their bow away. And you know, if Dublin are falling at this stage for a Cork puck out strategy, you know, I would blame the video analysts for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not trying to get the players, but for me, he probably said to them beforehand how to be so tight and follow them everywhere. But they had to realise after, say, 10 minutes, this isn't working. And then that's when you need a leader on that, that line to say, right, change it up, you stay there and you stay there, you know. And Without Maddie having to say that, and I know he probably said it at the water break, but like Waterford's half-back line are so good, early dominance. They were so good against them. They cleaned Cork's half-forward line out. But this half-back line for Dublin aren't early dominant. They're small lads. They're very good markers. You yeah. more or less have had two half-backs there or two cornerbacks playing half-back. And they're very good markers at little knee tackles and all, but they're not early dominant. So, um, yeah. Jeez, you, in fairness, you called that after a good win against Leash, like that that half back line was going to be a problem, and it clearly, clearly is. Like, I mean, it was it was obvious to you uh, from that night, and JJ too. And you're looking at coming in against Cork and that half back line conceding twelve from play. You know, like I mean. <laughs> like I mean, you were dead right, and you said that after the first game that you won easily. 
Yeah, like I suppose, like watching the lads, and you see them in club hurling uh, week in and week out. Well, you see, you know their strengths at this stage, and as I said, they're very good hurlers playing there. But you know their strengths, and the strengths aren't uh, winning high ball, and even delivering ball. Like like Keane O'Callaghan, he's a man marker, and you don't often see man markers at wing back. So like, yeah. even if he got a clear ball, he, he's not going to be a man who's going to stick the ball over from seventy yards. Or, or find a pass into the corner forward. He's a man who's going to win a ball and hand pass it off to someone who can. And I just think half back line is too important a line to have players that can't either win a, win their own high ball or score or set up attacks. And I could see that from the outset for Dublin. So, like, and if if the likes of Sean Moran isn't performing in midfield, why isn't it so easy just to put him back centre back and be in that and do what he's good at there. So yeah, I, I couldn't see, agree more. I don't see, and he he dropped him before the game. So, and like Sean Moran was a talisman for Kula with him. He's been excellent for Dublin. And I just can't see why, they know each other really, really well. And I can't see why he just wouldn't have popped him back centre-back where it was an issue anyway with Dublin. Yeah, unless something went on behind the scenes, it's definitely a strange one considering they would know each other so well to drop him, you're right, rather than um, moving back. Instead of putting, putting Moran back Centre back yeah. and say, look, follow Horgan the odd timer, hold the middle. He moves his full back out. You're right, yeah. you know, and just messing your team around. What did you make of the of the the cork changes? Like Colin Spillane, obviously, he's a, he's just a brilliant player. Luke Mead gave them loads of energy. What did you make of the two boys in the full forward line? Yeah, I thought Jack O'Connor is really good. He, he missed one or two touches early on in the game, but settled into it. He has a lot of pace, and look, he, he created the goal to 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 get give that cork the breathing space in the first half with Dalton. Um. Yeah, uh, Collins Plan's a big one because Cork's defence is always a worrying point for me and it's a worrying point for Cork and I think teams could see themselves getting at them and he's a huge asset there. He hurled really well. Like it was there were brave moves because Cork were poor and even Lahan, like when he came on I thought he was really poor again. And like for such a good player, he's really, really lacking confidence at the moment. He's got he's gone. I think Lehan's finished. Yeah, like she's with his attributes, Woody, like he's so fast and a great hand and he just doesn't seem to be at the race at the moment. He no. like I, like to have a player of his ability not hurling with you so like Kingston made the tough calls and, and dropped him and a few other good players so the like, Cork looked really good again Dublin were so poor it's really hard to judge what how good they really were because I thought the game was so poor Cork didn't really have to fight for too much they had loads of space and they're not going to get anywhere near that next week so yeah, I thought, I thought Robert Downey did very well on Crummy and Tim O'Mahony's best position probably is a wing back yeah, Tim O'Mahony, I thought, was getting a bit of a roasting for the first few minutes. I thought Danny Sutcliffe started the game on fire. But then uh, Robert Downey was excellent. He just nullified Crummy. So he didn't allow Crummy to win primary possession in the air. He was very good at getting in on top from in around him. And Crummy, he, he just wasn't involved at all. And then O'Mahony, he got into the ball. He got into the game much more. He took a few puck outs from Nash. And he was an outman for Coleman an awful lot. And then he gave great deliveries into the forward line. So that's how he got into the game and settled himself. And, and started to get on top of Danny. So, uh, look, look, they're a big half-back line, Willie, and they hurled well. Yeah. They were good. They were strong under high ball. Um, but again, I just don't think Dublin asked enough questions of them. I think yeah. that, that, half, that back line is there for the taking from me, and Dublin just didn't ask enough questions. I don't see Danny started off so well and then took a dip, and a big dip during the game when you needed him. So, um, just have to ask why that happens in games. Does Sutcliffe nearly always start the game well and kind yeah. of half go out of it? Well, I said to, me, I said to my brothers... I said, like, he's, after, he's on fire here and I hope he continues and he gets five or six points because of recent years he's been in, he gets one or two great scores and then he, he, don't, he disappears for a spell. And yeah. he's such a good hurler. I can't understand why um, 
I just can't put my finger on it. I know uh, Don Logue alluded to Dublin's forward line, but I think he, he's a bit... Don Logue, you can see he's from Cork because he doesn't realise that if Dub, for Dub, for years Dublin weren't in Leinster finals or quarterfinals. And if you're knocked out early, you're not going to have any all-stars in the team. So like his argument didn't really stand up for me that there's only been a few, a handful of all-stars because we've had some brilliant forwards over the years, but you're not getting far enough in competitions to... For lads to be getting all stars. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair. That's a fair yeah. point. I, I kind of tuned out of that their analysis. I just watched the highlights of the Leash Clare game. But we're talking about Clare. Geez, I, I know we only saw the highlights of this. Well, I was watching some of it online, and uh, like I don't know, Clare just looked like a very, very average team. And I don't want to be too critical of them because obviously we know the players that they've lost. But I don't know, Aidan McCarthy centre back, you know, David McNerney potentially needs to go back in there, surely to God. And there could be a couple of little changes that they could potentially make to maybe make them a little bit uh, better. Maybe I was thinking maybe Dermot Ryan, instead of dropping him, he's a good young player, play him a wing back and attack and wing back. Do you know what I mean? Is yeah. there things that, is there, like Shane Golden, play him in midfield and play McInerney centre back? A few different things that he could potentially do to make that team look a bit better on paper. Yeah, I, I'm the same as you, Willie. I thought they were disappointing again. And like average, I like Claire. I really like the way they hurl, and I like I love watching them over the years. But they just, I'd have no fear of them now. I can't see any team having any fear of them. Um, I'm right. I think you're right. I don't think the David McInerney move has worked at all. Like I, I don't. You see very little of him in the game, and he's such a good defender. I don't see why you'd lose him in the back line, and and especially if you oh, where he was lighting the world up midfield, but he hasn't been. So I don't know why you'd keep him at it there. Yeah, the, the, the whole argument was about him in midfield is that he's releasing Tony Kelly, and now Tony Kelly's playing in the forward, so that excuse is kind of gone too. Yeah, and like the likes, like Shane O'Donnell came out the pitch and played half half, half forward. Like he, he's not scoring, and we know his work rate and how good he is in bringing people into a game. Like I'd nearly try him midfield. Like he's not a man who's getting loads of points, and with his work rate around the middle and the way he brings lads into it, he, he he's not selfish. He hands the ball off at the right time. I try someone like him midfield, and right. because you have you have Dermot Ryan and you have other forwards that can come in and and play there, so it's not as if you're going to be losing him in the forward line. And I'd have they put David McInerney back and 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 strengthen up that back line. So yeah, so Shane O'Donnell in a kind of a Chaff Fitzpatrick type of role, exactly. or even let let, let like, works like a dog for a forward. Yeah. Probably the hardest working forward in the country. And, or a Damien Hayes role, we'll say. Damien started all that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he charged forward. He loves taking a man on. And if you have a midfielder who beats that man, it opens up all your forward line, like, completely. And he'd give the ball to Tony all the time if he's free. So, like, with just a little move like that, because I don't see if players aren't working where they're playing and, they're so, and, they're, and they are talented, use their attributes a bit more. So, I think they're missing a beat a little bit because they, at the moment, they just look, they look average. And if you stop Tony... Like, again, he was awesome the other day, but if you stop him, I just can't see Claire doing anything, really. Yeah. Jeez, before before we go into performance of the weekend, I have to go back and talk about Eamon Dillian, Dillian Trollier. <laughs> a start and never got a look in. Now, Sean O'Donoghue put him in his pocket, to be honest. There was a few balls went down, but he just wasn't able for O'Donoghue. Yeah, I felt sorry for him. We spoke about this, and people were on Maddie's case for playing him. But like I said, look, Maddie has a sort of release Trollier a bit like he's coming in and he's he got a kick in the arse and he was hurling really well and he hasn't been doing it when he's been starting that's the thing like you know what like, is wrong what is wrong with him why is that do you think I, I, put, honestly, what kind of a character is he does he put too much pressure on himself he seems to me from twitter to be a pretty relaxed type of individual he is a relaxed he's a great fellow he really is a great fellow to have around the place so 
Like, and he, he's a fitness machine. He'd, he'd win all the fitness tests for Dublin. He, he's an f- absolute flyer. So I, I can't put my, my, my finger on it. Why he doesn't play well when he starts, you know? And you get it in fits and bursts. He might get a great goal, but then you don't see enough of him in the game. Um, so when he started, he was one who was like, please, please do well. I, I think he's a great fella. But I think they were harshly done by himself and Hayes as well. They were in there against three cork backs and the deliveries from, from the back line was awful. They were awful. Like they were, I seen Trillier making two runs out to the corner and the ball was sent over his head and then he fells the back and he looks awful. Do you know? Yeah. I think the deliveries were shocking. He wasn't getting good ball in. Again, he got on one or two balls when he came out but just didn't do enough with them. And then he tried to come out the pitch a bit more to get into the game and when that happens as a corner forward, it's like you're writing your ticket to be on the sideline, you know? Because you're not staying in there and doing what you should be doing. So, um, I, I felt awful for him, but it's something he's going to have to mentally work at. Like, yeah, good enough. I don't know how he, 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 don't know how he fixes start, it. Yeah, I don't know how he fixes it myself because he's he's get he's going to get that tag now of we need an impact player and he doesn't want to be a soap and, and only coming on. But I think like if you're if you're there as management, that's what that's the role he's going to have at the moment. Yeah, that's the thing because like I mean, you you always want to play and you finally get your chance and. Like you literally have to perform that day, or you won't get it. And too many times this has happened to him. So I don't know. I don't know unless it's a psychological problem. He it can't be just bad luck that whenever he starts, you know, the ball is bad going in, or you know, I mean, there has to be something more to this. I know, I know. We were saying that like he comes in so fresh and like he's so fit in his runs. Was it affecting the corner backs that he was coming on? Like, like he was coming on fresh, but. Like really, he can keep that going for seventy minutes. So I, I don't see how how that should affect his game whatsoever. Um, like if you're in that forward line, I've, or if I was half back, I'd be looking to get him on the ball as quick as I can, just for from a confidence point of view. Get him a yeah. ball down the line. Get him to get a score because he seems when he does get that one or two scores, he he will keep going. You know, it, when he's, he's a real confidence player. So like if I was in that half back line, I'd be saying, right, I'm gonna get it quick two balls, good balls down to him and get him on the score sheet and then then we'll get the best aim in Dylan. Yeah, would he be a better wing forward where he wouldn't be marked as tightly and he could use his speed? And I think he's played centre half forward and played really well one year in the league, didn't he? Yeah, no, he has played out half forward. My thing is like he, he's an okay hand. Like it's not it's not brilliant, but like he's a goal scorer, will he? Like he would right. be big to Dublin's best goal threat. Like Dublin haven't got many goal threats and he is Dublin's best goal threat. He will take on the corner back if he if if he gets the ball in his hand. But the problem is with him, he just seems to it drops out of his hand. He doesn't win clean possession quick enough, and then the cornerback's in. So I would keep him in the in 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 the full forward line because Dublin haven't got too many goal threats, and he's definitely our biggest one. Right, right, okay, right. We'll come back with performance of the weekend. Yeah, we, I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So, um, with a couple of Philly donkeys, uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys from there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. They call it. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, never. And so, um, yeah, you can actually. One time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. 
A donkey, a donkey and eat and a donkey and eat a pallet. All right, performance of the weekend, uh, Michael. I'm going to start with Owen Cahill, um, or Cal, whichever he wants to go with. Cal is the more Irish yeah. uh, pronunciation of it. I'm thinking of Tim Cahill, that played with Everton. Yeah. And left his name up. She scored 17 points uh, yesterday, 12 frees, 165 and four from play, playing midfield. He's been in goals for roughly the last two or three years, and he was in goals for Mary I um, when he was there as well. So, like, I mean, he's played out, he's a bar player, and he's played um, in the forwards for them all up along. I was just thinking, the poor fella, how on earth did he ever get landed into goals? I text Brian Carroll about it, and he was kind of in goals for for being, you know, having his really good distribution and having a good hand and having good vision. And it just says an awful lot of a lot for goalkeepers in the modern game that you're actually bringing a player in that can score 17 points from midfield. I know. Like, so you know well, the goalkeepers are probably the best strikers on the pitch, and they, they should be. So I'm not surprised that he got so many frees because uh, like, that's one of the attributes you have to have. I don't know about like if you are so good at striking the ball, and we start missing a few if they ask me to play in goals. <laughs> that's, some, that's something else to be brought from the forward line to in goals. But look, Derry, Derry gave up a lot of... Their, dis- their discipline didn't seem to be great in the match. A lot of frees uh, conceded. But it's such a plus for Michael Fenley to have a great, great free free taker there, you know. And I heard him talking about him after the match, and he really rates him highly. Um, and yeah, he's positive. He said they're having great training matches, Fenley after, and they're looking good. Look, they're favourites for that, and I'd be very surprised if they don't go on and win it. Oh Jesus, I'd be very disappointed yeah. if they don't go on and win it. Yeah. Shane Dooley not in the twenty six was an interesting one. He's on the panel, but he didn't make the match squad, match day squad twenty six, and maybe. Maybe Michael Fennelly is saying, Shane Dooley, maybe you have to work a little bit harder to get into the 26. And nobody, maybe he's he's using that to send a message to the rest of the squad. I'm not too sure because to, for me, obviously looking on the outside, whatever about him not starting if he's getting a little bit older, geez, he'd have to be one of my men to come on with 10 minutes to go if, if he was needed. Yeah, absolutely, Woolly. Like, he's been some servant for Offaly. And in fairness to him, no matter who they've played, he's stood out. And he's like some of the best cornerbacks in the game of Mark Shane and he's beaten them, you know, so... I'd have to guess there's some sort of injury or something because I can't see that Offaly squad being strong enough to leave a player of his calibre out. But again, you're probably right. It could could be a message being sent out to the players that whoever's on form plays and that's the way we're going to go. It's a real Kenny attitude to have and look, it paid dividends for Kenny so long. So he might just be carrying that that, that form into Offaly. So um, they, they racked up some scoreline, like 32 points of some score. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. So they're doing, yeah, they're not doing too bad at that level, yeah. They have a tough enough draw. I think they're down now in the, in the semi-final, so that's probably the tougher of the draws. But I can't see them. I can't see down beating them. Now, to be honest. Yeah, Joe McDonough, Cook, Marty Cavanagh scored one thirteen. Nothing too major um, about Marty Cavanagh scoring one thirteen. I think only two points of it were for play. But it was another surprising enough result in that Carlos struggled to beat Mead at home. Now you know Carlos should be beating Mead at home. I don't know six, seven, eight points. Uh, Michael, you'd imagine. Yeah, you think so? They've been hurling well, like one twenty-two to one twenty-one. They just just scraped it. Um, so, like, there seems to be a good few of them results now on the John McDonough. Will he just, like, last minute points and scores to, to uh, like, Carla were just caught last week by a point for, like, with Antrim. So, they seem to be going to the death. Like, the conditions haven't been great either. So, it doesn't allow for for a lot of good hurling. But um, they definitely struggled and were lucky to get get through by a point. 
Yeah, they definitely were. Every, all teams have played two games now. So Kerry are leading on four, but they have to go play Antrim next weekend. Carlo and Antrim are on three. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. Westmead sitting on the bottom with zero points and minus 30 score difference, but they still could have a say in the championship because they still have to play Carlos, you know? So, like, I mean, it's still exciting um, in the Joe McDonough Cup this year and it's a great competition, no doubt about that. And the Roland played well again, two brilliant saves. One was from Taylor, the other was from O'Donnell. Um, geez, Shane O'Donnell obviously has a reputation for scoring goals and he was one-on-one with Roland. Yeah. He, would have had, he would have fancied him. Roland uh, saved again. We know he's a very good shot stopper. There's a question mark on what the referee blew it up. No, no. For the free. Now, Roland's not sticking that over, is he? No, I, like, no, no. Really. They, had, they had a slight, they had a slight wind. I know, like that was just inside their own twenty-one. Ah, give him a, give him a rattle at it. For <laughs> I was laughing at him saying it. Like, I, to be honest with you, I would have loved to seen him have a crack at it. But the problem the ref would have had was once he hit it, if it landed in the square and anything happened, then there would have been murder. <laughs> you know, we had it blown it up. As the ball landed and it and he didn't let it, I guess. I guess. I think that was that, that was more the scenario. So the ref, I don't think he could have played it. I would have loved to seen him have a crack because he has an almighty strike. Like he's a, he's a big man. Um, but I, I was laughing there when he's running to the ref asking. <laughs> <I was> confidence <laughs> that he wanted to crack at it, but I don't think he would have had a hope in hell now scoring it. To be honest, I have seen goalkeepers score points from their own pucker, but that would be with a good strong win. Yeah, yeah, that's and 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 Nolan Park's a big pitch as well, so I don't think he would have got down the end of it. Look. Again, I would have loved to see it, but it would have been... I, I, I think it was too much to ask of him anyway, to be honest with you. Right, right, OK. Tony Kelly again, he scored 10 in the first half, like unbelievable. Didn't follow it up um, really in the second half. Leach play, obviously played very well. The one thing that's impressed me about Tony Kelly is that he's playing in the full forward line. And he's able... Like, I wouldn't, wouldn't say he played all that much hurling in the full forward line. Maybe you correct me if I'm wrong. But he's able to score typical full forward scores in that he's running out, collects the ball, throws it up over his shoulder and sticks it over the bar. Like they're, they're not the typical points we always would have associated with Tony Kelly, which are running straight at the goal, you know, throwing it up in yeah. front of him and kind of flicking him with, flicking it with that momentum. He's scoring completely different types of scores now. Yeah, that's why he's so good, Willie. Like he has drifted in and out of the full forward line over the years. But like you're right, he's the attributes of a top, top full forward. Yeah. Like it does, he doesn't, care if the ball goes in high or low he's a great hand he's so athletically he came out twice yesterday and caught great balls and the defender did nothing wrong to be honest with you he was a, he was a yard or two behind and he was on his shoulder as he shot but because he throws the ball out and he's such a good set of wrists he just he's, and, and he's so accurate like he's full pace he's out to pitch he's throwing the ball over his shoulder and it's going right between the two goalposts yeah, there's, there's probably like himself and Horgan and maybe one or one or two other holders in the country that can do that. And like if you're defending that, there's there's nothing else you can do, you know, because he's so pacey coming out of the full full, full forward line when he wins these balls. It it would be so difficult to mark against. And look, he's just such good attributes. It's very hard to find a chink in his armor. To be honest with you, yeah, it's like I mean, he's a very it's that unique style that not many hurlers in the country can obviously do it. You, Patrick Horgan's a good example, that he's almost throwing the ball up away from the goal and hooking the hurl back around it. Yeah, like himself, Bubbles, Patrick Horgan are probably the riskiest hurlers in the game. And like they're not taking these full swings. It's, it, they're throwing the ball away from you. So if you're a defender, you can't even get the hurl close enough to block it because they're throwing the ball away and up and, and their wrists are so good. It's just, it, really, it's unmarkable. And, yeah. Like, lads try it all around the place, but it goes wide or they miss hit it. But he, he, he seems to strike the ball so cleanly all the time. 
He throws it up fairly high as well, does he, Michael? Like, I mean, there's almost an element of the way John Milan would throw it up. Yeah, he throws the ball like out of the way, man, so high that that's just so he's not dropping it low where a defender can get that hurl in. Where he throws it, you can't block it unless you're right on top of him. Yeah. Lads just can't get that close. So it's something he's, he's obviously working on over the years and he's probably the best at the game at it, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Cahill Malone, a top played very well for Clare. This type of this type of the year really suits Cahill Malone. He's kind of one of those kind of more, I don't know, winter hurling might suit him. We've seen him having good leagues before. He played very well against Limerick as well. Yeah, his distribution is excellent, Willie, and his work rate. Like he's probably like he was. He had a Brian Dewar esque playing like for Tyrone there. He he picked up so much ball on his own half back line, and then attacked with it. And he's so good, he gives it and he doesn't just stand back then. He's up the pitch and, and supporting players. So he's actually starting an attack and up trying to finish the attack. So his fitness levels are phenomenal and, and his work rate is phenomenal. So he's he's very similar to Dimmer Ryan in that half-forward line. Like that's probably why they're both not playing because they, they're very similar styles. They work hard up and down that line and he, he seems to be able to keep it going for the whole game. So... um. Look, a huge attribute for Leash at the moment. Yeah, Dermot Ryan's a little bit of a Danny Sutcliffe in that, or for Clare, you mean yeah, Dennis? Yeah. Or, or Dermot Ryan's a little bit like Danny Sutcliffe, could score two or three points, but probably not in the game enough that you want for a wing forward. Yeah, like I've heard Daly speak about him and a few ex players, and they really rate him highly. And you can see it at times when he gets on the ball, he's direct, he's aggressive, yeah. loves running at players, but again, it probably dips out of a game too often. and I suppose Lone will be trying to get that best out of him to keep him in there and um, like, just get that consistency. He's young and hopefully he'll learn over the next few years. But like, as I said, Danny's pushing on and I was hoping by this stage of his career he'd be doing it for 70 minutes rather than just 10 and coming in and out of the game. So something they both have to work on in training. Yeah, exactly. The big ones for Cork, obviously, were Robbie O'Flynn. He caught the eye big time, really direct runner, really fast. That's the best I've ever seen um, him play in. To be honest, maybe the Dublin half back line, which we've covered at length in the last uh, three weeks, is, is something to do with that. Seamus Hardney, too, lo and behold, playing wing forward as well. Uh, Mark Coleman, probably the standout player, in that, you know, it's a huge weapon for Cork to have if they're playing against a team with a sweeper that they free up Mark Coleman because, geez, he's a Rolls Royce, isn't he, oh. Michael? Like, I mean, the way he, even the way he runs with the ball, he just runs with style and his head up and he's constantly scanning the field. He's not worried about having to look down to play the ball. He's just, He's just at his ease. He's never under pressure. And that little reverse ball where he's going down the sideline and you think, geez, he's going to clear this down the wing now. And he just flicked the wrist back in the field. I don't know. Did he give it to Bill Cooper or somebody? I don't know who he gave it to. But, like, I mean, yeah, it was Cooper, I think, yeah. just a beautiful little reverse reverse pass. Yeah, you see it in the Premier League, this no-look pass, Willie. <laughs> yeah, it was no-look. <laughs> like, I watched it again and his head didn't budge or looking over that position, you know, and... If you're going to tackle him, you'd never picture that that's where he was looking. But you're right, like even in the second half, he got bottled up once and just popped it back in the hurl, turned around and hand passed it back. Real nonchalant hurler and never, never, like these top tasks, they never look under pressure. And he looks like he's all the time in the world. Even though lads are chasing him and have the pull, yeah, yeah. he just never seems to be under pressure. And I suppose, like, if Dublin had the game plan of playing with a spare man at the start, they might have had an answer for that. But because they did it in the middle of the game, they sort of gifted Coleman to do whatever he wanted for that Cork, um, that Cork backline because Cork don't like playing with a sweeper, you know. And I suppose that'll be something that teams will look at now. Maybe Tip will look at it and say we can't allow that man space if there is going to be a spare man being played because he's just too good. He's too good at the ball and sets up too many attacks. So he was definitely the standout player for me. Um, 
Robbie O'Flynn, he looks bigger than I've seen him. His yeah. arms are bigger, his, ch- his chest is bigger. And he, as I said, I, I haven't seen that pace. Like he burns Dublin forward, back line, and they're fast lads that he's marking. And he, if you can get him on form and staying like that, like I heard him speaking earlier in the year and he wanted to make an impact. And that really was making an impact there on Saturday. So they're huge, huge players for them. I thought Luke Mead hurled really well for mid, especially at the start of the game when it was important. I thought he got on a lot of ball in midfield for Cork and set up a lot of attack and, and really hurt Dublin. So, oh, again, lads who came in hurled really well. Yeah, no, they definitely did. Who will we give performance of the weekend to? It's hard to know. We Maybe will we give it to Owen Cahill, the burr, the burr forward who likes yeah. to play in goals a little oh, bit. I would, I would have liked to give it to Colin because he's a defender. <laughs> yeah, no, look, uh, Owen Cahill, that's, it's, it's serious scoring. Serious scoring. I don't care who you're, who you're playing against. Um, yeah, really and I think we, I think we'll give it to him for having the patience to be capable of playing in the forwards with your club and to have the patience to stand in the goals for three years for yeah. and not and not drop off the panel. Absolutely, yeah, he you're right. He well deserves it. <laughs> oh, Cal, congratulations, <laughs> performance of the weekend. Right, Michael, thanks for that. We'll be back on Thursday and we will preview the the two qualifier games next weekend. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.